welcome to the Constructionist Podcast, hosted by Caleb. Just as we grow gardens and build buildings, God is building you through the renewing of your mind. The sufficiency of the scriptures is paramount in your journey, and every week, Caleb will challenge you to make them a central part of your life and worldview. Join us now as we explore the world through the ancient lens of God's Word. Hello, friends, and welcome back to the Constructionist Podcast, where we're always trying to build something of eternal value in our souls and in our minds and in our hearts. So today we want to talk about this idea of psycheology or psychology, if you want to swing it that way. But psycheology. So I was talking once a number of years ago with a guy that was about to graduate from university with a degree in psychology. And I made the comment to him that the word suke, where we get the word psychology from, the Greek word suke means breath. And so it actually has to do with recognizing life when we talk about someone who's breathed their last breath or someone who, you know, when a baby's born, the first thing they want to do is make sure that they can breathe, that the umbilical cord's not around their neck and they're turning purple. So you get it off so they can breathe. This idea of breathing uh, at birth and at death is very fundamental to life. So when we breathe, it's keeping us going. So that suke, that <gasps> that breathing aspect is translated life in the Greek New Testament a number of times. It's also translated soul in the Greek New Testament a couple of times. But it's where we get the word psychology. So psychology is the study of breathing. It's the study of life. But in our modern uh colloquialisms, our modern application of the word, it gets into the study of the mind. And when we talk about psychology or about psychologizing, we're talking about how we think about things and what we apply, you know, the the health of our mind, that kind of thing. So obviously Freud uh, and Carl Jung and others had a lot to say about the mind, uh, whether you agree with their position or not. Uh, but it created this mindset, I'll say, this culture almost of uh, psychology and psychologizing and psychiatrists and psychologists that spend their life trying to understand what's going on inside a person's head. Why are they making the decisions they're making? Are they mentally unstable? Are they mentally balanced? What is it exactly that's going on? Now, the fact that suke has to do with life and with understanding uh, life as the New Testament describes it, because it says, what shall a man gain if he, uh, what shall a man, oh, now I forgot the verse off the top of my head. I'm trying to remember it. Uh, What will it profit a man if he gain the whole world and lose his own soul? So that word soul there is suke, is what it is. So Jesus is asking the question, if you, if you literally possess everything of a physical nature on the earth and die without acquiring the highest level of truth, what have you gained? What, what, you know, you, if you lose your soul, in other words, your soul, your suke, your life, is worth 
much, 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 much more than every physical possession you could possibly have. So think about billionaires, all right? There are billionaires out there who live in amazing houses and they're able to purchase anything they want. They've got one or two airplanes. You know, they have people that run around and do things for them all the time. Uh, when they walk into the room, people, people, you know, they, they almost bow down to them. I'm not saying that they do bow down to them. I'm just saying that what the billionaire says goes. Okay, people don't like to question them. They just try to appease them all the time. So just by virtue of the fact that they're billionaires. It's just the way it is in a lot of cases. I'm not saying every case. I'm just saying a lot of cases. So, uh, but they've gained so much. But what if their life, what if their soul, what if they haven't gained that? We'll put it that way. Now, Jesus is called the bread of life. He is called the, now the word life can be, it's a couple Greek words. Uh, There's bios, there's suke, there's zoe. So these are different words for life. So if I say bread of life, I'm not necessarily suggesting that that phrase bread of life as found in John's gospel, it's using the word suke. It could be using the word zoe, which is a higher, uh, deeper sort of life, more of the essence of life per se than suke is. Suke does carry with it the, the idea of soul, which is translated soul a number of times, which is your mind, your emotions, and your will. So it, it gets a little bit more defined in that sense. Maybe Zoe is applied more to your spirit, uh, but not to confuse it necessarily with pneuma, which is the word spirit. It's translated spirit in the Bible. But all these things are interrelated and they interact. And we see this on a very basic level as well. If you stub your toe, you may be bright as a daisy having a grand moment, you know, playing in the park or something like that. And as soon as you stub your toe, all of a sudden it's, oh man, I just stubbed my toe. Oh, it hurts. And you can get all grumpy and everything else. You catch a cold, you know, your body, your head aches and your nose is running and you're achy all over and you just, you're just dragging yourself around. And if people walk in and you're like, what do you want? You know, so your body affects your, your mental state. We'll put it that way. Uh, when you get hungry, they have the term now hangry. I don't know if you've heard this word when you're hungry and angry. <laughs> so if you eat something, all of a sudden you're not angry anymore. So it's, it's taking a, a mental state and blending it into a physical state or taking the physical state and blending it into a mental state whichever way you want to look at it. The fact is, is that no human on earth can deny that your physical state affects your mental state. Well, I'm here to suggest that all of them are connected. Your mental state can affect your spiritual state and your spiritual state can affect your mental state. And it's a flow back and forth. So this is all wrapped up in this idea of studying Life, okay, psychology, psychology. We're studying life. So let me go back now to this uh, concept of suke and life and Jesus. So Jesus is the bread of life. So he is the ultimate statement of life. What does he say in the upper room in John fourteen? He says, "I am the way, the truth, and the life." Now again, I don't think that's the word suke, but I will challenge you to look it up. It may be the word Zoe there for life. But you find out for yourself what it is. So I'm sort of like 
the, the, the cook giving you the recipe and, and in some ways I'll let you put it together with the guidance that I'm, I'm providing for you. So life in and of itself, the highest level of that comes from God. So let's jump back then to Genesis chapter 2 where it says that God made man out of the dust of the earth. And he breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And he became a living soul. So he breathed into him the breath of life. And he became a living soul. Now each one of those words in Hebrew are marvelous words. But we're not going to get into those right now. But when, when Adam became a living soul, it was because God imparted into him a life that came from God. Now, this is singularly different from every other form of life. So evolution will try to tell you they have their tree of life. Evolution will try to tell you that all life arose from these sort of microbial, single-celled organisms that somehow spontaneously appeared out of the warm gloop of the sea, you know, however they want to fantasize it. Nobody knows exactly, and no one's been able to recreate uh, any sort of environment where that just happened. You know, you throw in some chemicals, you throw in some nutrients, you throw in some whatever, and they spontaneously create some form of basic life. To my knowledge, it hasn't ever happened uh, exactly because, and then even if it does happen, how do you account for the soul, the mind, the emotions, the wills, our likes, our dislikes, our love of music, our love of architecture, our love of fashion, our love of art. How do you account for these things on the survival of the fittest model, where if we are only evolving to the extent that we can survive and be the fittest, humans aren't really that. We're the most pathetic babies born, you know, baby baby deer and baby gazelles and baby those kind of animals when they're born man they jump up and are they're running around in a matter of an hour or so uh, to survive because they got wolves and lions and things like that trying to get them baby humans are just they're pathetic they can't do a thing for themselves if they sit there they'll just they'll be dead in 24 hours so you know when you think about it in that sense there's a lot about humans that is almost counterintuitive intuitive to the idea of survival and yet we thrive and so uh you know we've taken over the whole world and we're actually pushing everything else out of the way it's not because we have any sort of grand physical ability to do it uh it does absolutely come down to our minds we are able to do things that other species and life forms can't why because it says in genesis chapter 2 that god breathed into man the breath of life and he became a living soul we have within us an element of life that does not exist in other in other species and other life forms on this earth we are uniquely different in that sense and so because we are in the image of god so god disapproves of idolatry and all this, but he has imparted to us his image and it is our responsibility to reflect that image as accurately as possible. And so our life, ultimately, every human life, regardless of who you are, there's billions of people on this planet, every human life is walking around by virtue of the fact that God imparted a life to them that is different from every other creature on the planet. It is not life 
I, I into uh, salvation itself, that's a different level of life. It's a different uh, quality of life. But the life that we do have, just the fact that we're born and crying on a bed, you know, with our mother picking us up and hugging us, that potential there, that potential life is very deep and very uh, precious because it comes from God, the Father. And so he is the originator of all life, and he gives different qualities of life to different elements of his creation. So plants have one kind of life, animals have another kind of life, humans have another kind of life. So the life that humans have is a life that is uh, responsible for reflecting God's life. We are made in the image of God. And so there has to be that reflection there. Now, ultimately, that reflection happens when we are in Christ. But unfortunately, many, 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 many people reject a life, the life that Christ has to offer. So remember, he is the way, the truth, and the life. And that life that he offers, again, the moment that it comes upon a person, just like a baby being born, that baby being born has the potential to grow up to be a Michelangelo, to grow up to be... Uh, you know, a Jonathan Ive that designs ap- Apple's iPods and iPhones and things like that. Not anymore, he doesn't, but he used to. Uh, has the potential to grow up to be a great musician. Has the potential to grow up to be, you know, any number of things. A craftsman that makes the most amazing things out of wood. Um, you know, somebody who has his head around science like an Einstein or a or an Edison that can just create things and develop things that can be a benefit to all of society. You know, it can be a brilliant doctor who can do amazing things on the surgery table and help humans and cure cancer, find means to do that. All these things, the potential is there inside of every little baby, depending on how they're how they develop and how they're trained and and what their inclinations are and things like that. The potential is there. So the same is true as soon as a person enters into life in Christ. When they repent from their sin and going their own way and not being uh, reflecting the image of God and turning and saying, yes, I want my life now to reflect the image of God uh, as holy as possible. And then all of a sudden, There's great potential there that grows and matures and is shaped through a reading of the Word of God, through prayer, through fellowship, through interaction with other believers, through uh, reading the Scriptures and putting them into practice in daily life. And over the course of years, just like a, a small plant grows up to a fruitful tree or a fruitful vine, over the years that person then becomes mature and the fruit begins to come out of their life. And their life then really does have that Zoe sense to it. It goes from just suke to Zoe. If you gain the whole world and lose your own suke, you've got nothing. You know, you lost it all. But if you if you renounce the world and the things of the world, I'm not saying become some pauper on the street. I'm just saying that your mindset is now different. Your mind has now shifted to seeking the things of the Lord. Now he may tell you to keep your billions of dollars and become a philanthropist or, you know, uh, fund things that are of, you know, great wealth and or great value toward the human race or whatever. I don't know what he's going to call you to do. You know, that's between you and him and prayer and 
your fellowship in that. But the potential is there for this life now to grow and grow and grow. And as it grows, it becomes uh, more fruitful and more abundant. And this really is the kind of direction that we should be taking when we look at things like psychology. If someone is mentally unhealthy, then perhaps what they need is an influx of Jesus who gives life. He is the way. He is the truth. He is the life. If your mind has been full of lies and self-seeking and things like that, then it needs to have the reversal take place and you need to have it filled with the correct way of thinking, the correct truth about yourself as we understand it from the scriptures and about the correct life which is coming from the Lord Jesus Christ. So begin to think differently about where you are in your stage of life. What are you walking toward? And seek the Lord about how your life can be abundant and fruitful in that regard. And you may already be doing it. And I would say, God bless you. Keep going. (laughs) But, you know, if you're sort of struggling and saying, oh, where should I be? What should I be doing? What direction should I take in my life? Then put that before the Lord and seek him. Now, this is going to be a slightly shorter podcast this week. It's actually the 25th of December. And so uh, it's a beautiful day where I am. I hope it's a beautiful day where you are as well. But today's also my son's birthday. So we're going to go and enjoy the day with him at the same time. And all of this talk about life is also uh, something that we can remember today because technically it's Christmas. Um, There's no biblical evidence that Jesus was born on the 25th of December. But it is the day, uh, whatever day he was born It says in Matthew chapter 1 that he will be called Emmanuel, God with us. And that's what God desires, is to fill our life and to fill our home and for us to be a a conduit and a reflection of him to everyone else around us. So God bless you, and I hope you have a great day. Thank you for taking the time to listen to our podcast. If you were challenged and encouraged by what you heard today, please feel free to share it with any friends or family you like. You're welcome to email us at calebtheelectrician at gmail.com. That's calebtheelectrician at gmail.com. And remember to leave a comment at iTunes, Spotify, or anywhere that you listen to podcasts.